we're in Proverbs this, uh, this summer, so go ahead and turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 2. If you are new to your Bible, then opening up right in the center, and you should end up right around Proverbs. This is going to help you. I'm on 635 in my Bible. Right? All right, so down the middle aisle of seats are a couple of Bibles underneath those seats, and if you don't have a Bible... You are welcome to grab that and use it as we're working through the scripture. We're going to read all of Proverbs 2 together, and then we're going to find out what wisdom is today, find out what it means to get wisdom. But first, let me pray. Father, thank you for for the opportunity to come and uh, to gather as your church. Thank you for your word. We pray that it would be life and light to us this morning. God, we pray as a congregation. Um, in regards to the tragedies in our country, God, that you would help us to grieve the loss of life, God, that you would give us a sense of uh, your justice and that you would exact justice where it needs to be meted out. Uh, Lord, we understand that this is a spiritual thing, not just physical, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in heavenly places. So God, Uh, do the work that only you can do in the hearts of men. Uh, Bring reconciliation with us toward you so that we can exact reconciliation with each other. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 2. Let's read these out together. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright, He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death, and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. This is the word of the Lord. So how do we get wisdom? If you're stuck in a hard place, like it rocks on two sides of you, and you just need some wisdom for the moment, uh, how do you actually go about getting that? Let me give you a scenario. A young woman was perplexed about life, and she did not know what to do. She had an issue um, that was 
you know, just eating her up on the inside, and she needed wisdom. And so she did what uh, a person would normally do in this instance. She consulted two of her friends, uh, really close friends, who she thought could give her some good counsel. And she posed them this question in regards to her, her issue. I mean, how do I get wisdom? How can I know what I'm supposed to do? And her friends give her two trains of thought. Uh, the first one says, well, I mean, you just pray for it, right? I mean, you, I mean, you pray for it, and God will give it to you. Doesn't, doesn't it say somewhere in the Bible, James chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So, I mean, isn't it as simple as bowing your head, uh, closing your eyes, saying some thoughts to God, and God is going to, like, I mean, he's going to do it for you. He's going to make it happen. You're going to pray it, and God's going to bless you with the wisdom that you need to, to go on and make the decision that you have to make. The other friend pipes in, she's like, that's a great verse. I really like that verse, but you stopped reading too quickly. I mean, did you, that, do you know that you, you should have kept on reading? Because James finishes that thought in verse 22. He says, but the doers of the word, but he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And so the second, second young lady says, well, I mean, I think you're supposed to crack open your Bible. I think you're supposed to dig in. Start studying and learn something. It's like, you know, I, don't, I don't think you're not supposed to pray, but pray first, but then you're supposed to act on, on the stuff that you've studied that God has told you about as, after you've studied. Um, so, I mean, which is it? Which is it? Do we pray or do we actually do something? Uh, I think all of us in here have, uh, have either lived by one of these two methods of getting wisdom or just trying to figure out which path God would have us to take in regards to circumstances in our life. I think all of us know that person that takes either one of these two avenues in terms of getting wisdom for their own life. You have the super spiritual person that, um, that tells you you got to bathe everything in prayer and God is going to speak to you somehow. But then you, you can't refute the, the wisdom of James. James says it very clearly. God works through means. God works through the circumstances of your life. He speaks through his word, and we're supposed to dig out, mine out the word so that we hear God clearly through what he's already said. God is not really going to, God is not usually, he can, but he's not usually going to just cause wisdom to just jump in your mind so that you know what to do in every situation. I think uh, the, the, the collective wisdom is we must pray, but we also must work. And so what we're going to find in Proverbs 2 is God helps us find the true answer to how to get, how to get wisdom. More than that, Proverbs 2 is probably one of the, the most helpful chapters in the Bible in terms of uh, how we grow. I mean, how is it that we can learn to grow such that uh, in, in every situation, but also in the character of our lives, we, we have more of an infused wisdom in us to help us make the right decisions uh, when life um, brings us quandaries that we have to, uh, 
have to figure out what to do. Um, more than that, what we're gonna learn in this text is wisdom is a safeguard. It's a defense against some of the temptations that lie uh, in the world that we live in. So with that, we're gonna uh, dive in. Last week, we opened a series talking about um, really introducing the book, and uh, Solomon, the one that wrote this book, uh, commends it to us as God's divine wisdom to us. Uh, Solomon uh, was a young king, had just been anointed by his father, and uh, he meets God on a high place, and he asks, uh, God actually comes to him in a dream and asks Solomon, say, hey, what do you want? Uh, to, what, what would you like me to do for you? And Solomon could have asked for anything, and he asked for wisdom, and God blessed him with divine wisdom. And we learned that Solomon uh, became, because God, God blessed him to, to do so, became one of the wisest men that's ever lived on the face of the earth. And we learn in uh, books like uh, 1 Kings chapter 3 and 4 that he wrote thousands of proverbs. What's a proverb? It's a short, pithy saying that has an element of divine truth, a, a biblical proverb. It's, it's meant to be a, a parable that's shrunken down truth, that's portable, memorable, and repeatable. Uh, Solomon says, uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, are, are meant to lead us to the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Knowledge and instruction here in Proverbs 1, 7 are, are used as parallels, as synonyms for wisdom. And so the, in the wisdom of Solomon, he's saying, if you want to have wisdom, the start point is to fear the Lord. Fear meaning not being afraid of God but revering him, having awe of the God that created everything. And, and so really, if you think of it like this, if, if God is the creator of everything, then the source of wisdom lies in him. And so if we want to gain wisdom, you'd be a fool not to start with the source. That's what Solomon is saying here. So in, in Hebrew, wisdom means skill. And so not only does the Proverbs uh, lead us into the fear of the Lord, uh, it's something that can be learned. Uh, wisdom is the skill of living life. It's to be able to navigate the schematic of a life that brings glory to God. And then I ended up on this definition right here. Wisdom is Christ-empowered skill to live life to the glory of God. And what I mean by this is, you know, there's a lot of things that we try to do in our own strength. And we, I mean, think about it. We're we're prideful, self-righteous people. We try to save ourselves every day in every way that we can. Um, but wisdom, as, as God gives it to us, it's not you uh, having enough knowledge to navigate your life in and of your own self. It's you receiving from God because you're united in Christ, uh, you know, to, to really to, be re to rest in Christ to be weak and to operate out of his skill, out of his wisdom, so that you can live your life to the glory of God, which is the chief end of man. Um, Proverbs 2 is a continuation of Solomon um, giving advice to his sons. We learn in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8, that, that, uh, that Solomon, at least for the first 22, uh, 10 chapters, but then spilling over into the, the next 12, uh, all the way to uh, chapter 22, He's giving advice to his sons. He's like a sage inviting his sons to sit down in front of him as he pours the wisdom that he's gained from, from life and the divine wisdom that God has given him 
into their lives so that they won't so they won't make the same mistakes that that he has made. Um, this is Solomon's second lecture, and in chapter two he makes two points. In all these words, he only makes two points. He tells us how you can get wisdom, and then he tells you why you need it. All right, so let's dive in. You can get wisdom, verse one through five. My son, if my words, uh, if you receive my words and treasure up my commands with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek for it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Instead of coming out and just saying, if you want wisdom, do this, Solomon gives three conditions. Remember the, uh, the uh, actually he gives a conditional clause. Remember the if, if then um, statements from grammar and English? Any of y'all take English and, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know they have if thens in math, but this is the if then in English, grammar. All right, so he, he's giving us three conditions uh, in, in that, that tells us how we can get wisdom. Uh, see uh, three times that he says the word if. He says it in, in verse 1. He says it again in verse 3. And then he says it again uh, in verse 4. And then he concludes the thought with the word then in verse 5. We'll see this in a couple seconds. And again in verse 9. So Solomon really is mapping out for us how to get wisdom. But he also, he's also going to tell us how we can grow. Three conditions. Here's the first condition. He says, build a foundation. Verse 1 and 2. There's three words or word phrases that stick out to us in, in, these, uh, in these verses. I'm not going to read it again. But he says basically four things. He says, receive my words. In other words, he's saying, you need to make your life a repository um, capable of receiving all the wisdom that God is going to give you from his word. That's what he's saying. Open up your, your life, open up your mind, open up your heart to receive all that God is going to give you. Then he says, um, treasure my commands. And in this, he's, he's, he's asking you to, what do you do with something that you treasure, that you, that, that you, really, um, that you really admire? You hold it close to you, you safeguard it, you, you protect it so that you, you won't misplace it or lose it. And then he says, make your ear attentive, which simply means to listen. You know, oftentimes we, we talk so much uh, or our, there's activity going on around us so much that uh, either there's words coming out of our mouth or our brains are going so that we don't even listen. He's saying, shh, quiet the noise and simply be attentive to the words that he's saying. And fourthly, he's saying, incline your heart, which is uh, posture your, your inner man. Your, your, he's, he's talking about the, the causal core of who you are, the very source of, of everything you are on the inside. Posture it so that you, again, are leaning forward to receive all that God has for you. Solomon is speaking as a man in authority. Again, he's speaking directly to his sons, giving them commands that he wants them to abide by. But because this is divine wisdom coming through God, you know, from God through Solomon to us, uh, you know, really he's speaking to us in this, in this same vein. Um, he's telling us these are divine words meant to be received 
and treasure. He starts off kind of passive. Uh, he says, passively receive what God has, God has said in his word, treasure it, make your ear attentive, and incline it. So he's going from a movement from, from ear to heart, external to internal, from what's heard to what shapes you on the inside. I mean, that really is the intent of what he's doing. So what is he saying? How do you get wisdom? Knowledge has to go from your head to your heart. A, a pastor friend of mine says that the furthest distance that you'll ever journey in your life, the information goes, is from your head to your heart. You, you, do you know you can know a lot, but it not? I, this, is, this, is my, this is my sin in life. I know a lot, but you don't really know it until, it, until you can operate from it from your heart. And I think that's, I, I'm not alone. I know a lot of you. And here's our issue. We can read a lot of the Bible, but until that Bible like trickles all the way down and ends up in our heart so that we're living it from the causal core of our personhood, then you don't really know it. And so that's what Solomon is trying to get us to do. Here's what he's saying. He's like, this is, to get wisdom, this is the foundation that you need. And to, to get the foundation, you got to commit. And what does commitment take? It takes you surrendering, um, posturing yourself to, to receive, um, to, to quiet yourself so that you can listen, and, and lastly, uh, be in a position like in the, the very core of you to, to, to receive all that God would have for you. Um, I think of the commitment it takes to ride a bike. Y'all remember way back when, when you, the first time you, I mean, like you really rode a bike, that the, the process is you get your little bike and your parents are, are holding the seat and they're, you know, they're holding on to it. And, and uh, you know, you're comfortable because your, your parent is like holding you up and you're like going like this and stuff. And every once in a while, your mom or dad, they let, they'll let the, their hand off of the seat. And then, of course, at some point, you're going to fall down. You're going to get bruised. You're going to hurt yourself a little bit. To actually ride your bike, you got to commit, which means you got to pedal. You got to have your hands on the, the steering, uh, what do you call those things? Handlebars? I can say the steering wheel. That's, that's a little much, isn't it? All right. And you got to get enough momentum so that when your mom and dad lets go, that your momentum, your pedaling, your, your, your balance, your, your focus is, is straight ahead and, and you're going to do it. And that's what Solomon is saying. He's like, wisdom is not just going to jump up on you. It's not. You got you to gotta commit. What does commitment take? It takes the, first, the, the four things that he says in verse 1 and 2. Second condition, pray. Verse 3. Yes, and if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. That's a short condition. He's saying call for and seek out wisdom. This prayer follows building a foundation. I think the order is important. Um, most people would say pray first. Solomon is saying, hey, let's, let's get some foundation. I, I, I think what he's saying is, Let's give God something to work with. You know, God works in, in, in many ways. Yes, we can pray and God can come to our aid and give us all that we need. He can answer prayer. He can give us wisdom, give us insight that we didn't have before. But I think Solomon is suggesting, you know what? Let's let, get God's word in you because you're going to get some, some gold just from getting God's word. As you receive the word, you're going to be getting wisdom if you need, even if you don't know you're getting it. But then he says, after you get that, pray. Give God something to work with and then pray. 
And here's a, here's a special kind of praying he's like. He's like, don't pray one of those cute, good, polite, thoughtful prayers, you know, that you, you say it in your head and nothing comes out of your lips. Because, you know, I pray like that most mornings. He's like, mm, don't pray like that. He says, call out and seek for wisdom. He says, raise your voice for understanding. I don't know if Solomon was Pentecostal, charismatic or what, but, um, but he is saying, articulate your prayer and make it vocal. Um, I think he's saying, pretend like you're a baby and you are hungry and you're crying out for mama's milk. Y'all seen that, right? I mean, that baby's not going to stop crying, yelling out until mom satisfies him. I think that's the kind of prayer he's talking about. The first condition, build a foundation. The second condition, pray. The third condition, study. Verse 4. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. Solomon is, is suggesting two main thoughts here. He's saying wisdom requires effort. Look at the words. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. Have you ever, I mean, sought after something? I mean, think about this. Have you ever lost something that you did not, that you should not have lost? Like, I, I'm a culprit for losing my keys. Like, I got a pet peeve. I don't like to have all my keys lumped together. I got the office keys on this ring. I've got my car keys here. I got the house key here and any other key. They're all separate. And I put them in different places so I remember them. And when I don't put them in those places, I lose them. My wife hates it. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've lost my wallet. We were in New York one time um, at a Dairy Queen. And I don't put my wallet in my back pocket. I sit it in, I put it in the side door when I'm driving. And unfortunately, I think I put my wallet on top of my car and we were, we were at West Point. Drove back to West Point, no wallet. Thank God for honest people. Somebody returned it to, uh, to the, the museum uh, because they saw my ID in there. Uh, this past week, I lost our checkbook. So um, check it out. I came home, I asked my wife, I was like, Larissa, have you seen the checkbook? She's like, well, didn't you take it? It's like, mm, yeah. <laughs> So I'm like searching through the house. I went back into my car and I thought of, all right, all right, when's the last time you use it? All right, I took it to Jonathan's violin lesson so I could pay for Jonathan's violin lesson. Got in my car, drove all the way back to Jonathan's violin lesson. There's the checkbook. This is what Solomon's saying. He's like, search for it. Uh, he's like, make a diligent search for it. But here's what he's, this is the other half of that. After your search, he's saying the payoff is going to be worth the effort. Like, when after, you've, after you've labored to search, to study, to put the effort into mining God's word, you're going to receive something that's going to be more valuable to you than you could ever imagine. Um, and here's the thing. Um, later on in Proverbs, we'll get to this in several weeks, starting in Proverbs 9, Solomon's going to start comparing um, wisdom to folly, the value of wisdom to the value of folly. And he's going to tell us that folly is innate to us. It comes too natural. Proverbs 25, 15 says, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. All right. And most of y'all parents know you got to beat it out, right? All right. Erase that from the, from the tape. Um, folly has to, that's what the proverb says. It says, 
uh, a rod for the back of fools. And it's not, it's not being suggestive there. It's like that's what it takes. We have, folly has to be beaten out of us. But here's, here's what he juxtaposed. It says, growth in wisdom doesn't correspond to our growth in height nor age. Did you hear that? To get wisdom in our hearts, it takes work. And so what Solomon is commending is that we got to search for it. Jesus says something very similar in Matthew 13. He's talking about the kingdom of God and how much a treasure it is and how we have to, we got to want it to get it. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. One verse later, Matthew 13, 45 and 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So what's Solomon saying to us here? He's saying, when you know how valuable something is, you would be a fool not to do all that you can to get it. You got to mine it out. You got to search for it. Open your Bible and do the hard work to get the wisdom that's already there. And so here are the conditions build a foundation, pray, and we study. And this is what he says we get for it. Verse five we get wisdom. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Actually, he doesn't say you get wisdom, he says you get something better than wisdom. He says two things. You understand the fear of the Lord, and then you find the knowledge of God. We understand the fear of the Lord. Let's break that down. Understand, uh, a, a, not a better word, but a word that I like to use here. It's underneath this word understand. is the word discernment. So what he's saying is the fear of the Lord, obviously coming to God as the source of your wisdom, not being afraid of him, but fearing God and being in awe of him is he'll give you specific insight so that you'll make the right choice among all the alternatives. Isn't that the hardest thing that we do in life? When we've got all these choices and we've got input, input coming from the world and from Facebook and from our friends and our family, and we don't know which one to do. And this is what he's saying. He's saying as you avail yourself to the word, to the wisdom of the scriptures, that we're going to understand primarily the fear of the Lord. Why? Because he's the source of all wisdom, and we're going to be able to discern the right alternative when the time comes. But then he also says to find the knowledge of God. Um, every time we hear the word knowledge, we think about like learning more, right? I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to get more. God's going to give me more information so that I know what to do because I got the facts. I got, you know, I got all this stuff that, I, that, that aids me in, in doing what I got to do. That's not what he's talking about. Knowledge here is talking about relationship. He's talking about knowing not just something, but someone. He's commending that there's simply no such thing as a relationship without knowledge. But it's not just knowledge as a knowing. It's knowledge about knowing a person. Think about this. If you don't know anything about a person, you don't know that person. And this is good theology. Theology being the knowledge of God. It's, it's us making right thoughts about God, not superimposing what we think about God, who he is and what he does. It's taking it from the repository of how God has revealed himself to us in his word. And here's what Solomon is promising, is that 
the search for wisdom will lead us to the ability to make true assertions about God when we come to the true source. That's what he's saying. Verse 6 continues the same thought of what do we get if we meet the conditions for getting wisdom. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Um, the word for, the preposition for is important here. It basically says to us that if we search, if we, we can get wisdom when we search, when we firstly, earnestly, I don't know how to say that, when we search for it. It's like this. If you search, uh, if, you, if you're seeking God, you're going to run into wisdom. If you're seeking wisdom, true wisdom, you're going to run into God. These actions will lead us to the fear of God. This is what he's emphasizing here, though. He's not emphasizing the method and how you get wisdom. He's emphasizing um, the source. Look at the words. He says, for the Lord gives wisdom. In verse 6, that means wisdom comes from God. God is the one that reveals that wisdom to us, and he does it primarily through his word. I'll, I'll say this again, because I think it deserves to be said. For most of us, God isn't going to just like poof and give us wisdom. He's not going to bypass the methods that, methods that he's already put in his word for us to glean his thoughts, the revelation that he's given us about himself, um, how he's ordered his world. He's already put it in here. And so what is he committing to us? Open the book. And, and avail yourself to it, and you're going to not only run into wisdom, you're going to run into God, and your study, your praying, your receiving of God's word is going to give you the wisdom that you seek. What I think he's saying ultimately is that uh, what you're going to get more than just knowledge, what you're going to get more than just wisdom is a covenantal relationship with the Lord himself. Look at verse 1. It's not going to be on your screen. You're going to have to look down at your Bible. He, he begins uh, this chapter by saying, my son. My, my son. Uh, my, wife, my wife, whenever she's addressing our boys, she always says son. I don't, I don't do this as often. I call them by their name. But she says, my son. And that reminds them, firstly, that they're, you know, they're our sons. But it talks about the familial intimate covenant relationship that we are in as parent to child. And that really is what Solomon is, is reminding his sons of. He's, he's saying, look, you don't have to work. You don't have to like work all this stuff up to, to get my heart. You don't have to, uh, to go through all this rigmarole to, to get the wisdom that I really want, to, that I'm really willing already to give you. He's like, all you got to do is just make yourself, I mean, it's just receive it. It's already here. He says, my son, this is a divine invitation from God not to earn a place in his heart. If you're a Christian, he gives it freely in Jesus and he calls us, this is important, he calls us to take steps of growth towards him. That's what Solomon is doing. He's calling his sons to take steps of growth towards him. How? By, by listening to his word, his divine word, by obeying him, because what? Not because he's trying to be an authority figure over them, but because he's their dad. And, and as these divine words come from God through Solomon to us, this is God speaking to us, not lording over us, although he can and he does, but he's 
being familial. He's being intimate with us, calling us his sons and beckoning us into a covenant relationship with us. God is saying through Solomon's words, if you, he's not saying, if you seek me, I'll love you more and give you the wisdom you seek. He's not saying that, although that sounds good, doesn't it? This is what he's saying. He's saying, if you seek me, you'll find me for all that I'm worth. If you seek God, you're going to run into wisdom. If you seek wisdom, you're going to run into God. God is the wisdom that we seek. Here's the end result. When we value wisdom, we get it. But there's another then. Uh, Jump down to verse 9. Solomon actually continues this uh, conditional clause in verse 9, verse 9 through 11. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path, for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Um, Here's what Solomon is saying. God is able to infuse in our hearts a new instinct for wisdom. He's, he's, this is the part that he talks about heart change. Look, look uh, specifically at verse 10. He says, for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Uh, this is an Old Testament way of talking about regeneration. This is what Jesus talked to Nicodemus about in John 3. He said, Nicodemus, in order to, to get eternal life, you got to be born again. you got to be born of, of the water and of the Spirit. And so when, when, when Solomon says these words, if you seek God, wisdom will come into your hearts and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul, he's saying there's an opportunity for you to, to have wisdom infused into your life where you don't have it. God will give you a new instinct for wisdom that you absolutely don't have, and he's talking about really getting it for the first time. So if you're not a Christian and you are in a situation in life or situations in life where you're seeking God, don't know, where to, don't know how to find him, and you really want wisdom for your life, what does he say to do? He says, well, forgive, uh, um, acknowledge that, that God is coming, the person of Jesus, that he died on the cross in your place for your sin, that he was uh, raised from the grave to bring you to life, and that he's the ultimate source of wisdom, that all these words in, in Proverbs, really all the Old Testament, points to Jesus. And when you seek him, you get life, but you also get the wisdom that only God can give you. You can be infused with new wisdom, uh, new character, a new heart, a new awakening uh, by availing yourself to the word. Well, the same thing holds true if you're a Christian. And I mean, you just need some 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 good counsel from God. He's saying, God the Father is saying to you, if you seek newness of life in Jesus, how do you do that? Verse 1 through 4. Uh, make your whole life a repository uh, for the Word of God. Okay? Be open to what God says. Treasure His commands. Listen. Be listening out for His voice through what He's already said. And then simply do what, do what He said. If you seek newness of life in Jesus, you get wisdom. But more than that, you get a deeper relationship with Jesus himself, the true source of wisdom. And you can change from the inside out. And this really is nothing but the grace of God. This is an Old Testament way of talking about the grace of God, God giving you what you don't deserve. Apply that to your life. Think about how you could apply the, 
the, the infusion of wisdom into your life, a new instinct for wisdom. If you want to be a better spouse, if you want to manage your finances better, get out of credit card debt. If you want to know how much TV, how much Netflix should I watch and how much should I not watch, they got you, didn't it? You don't need a pastor to stand up as an authority figure and tell you and condemn you for doing all those things. You don't need some authority figure to beat you down with guilt and, and, and tell you that you can't have any pleasure in life. Here's what you need. You don't need five steps to this or that. You need a new instinct for wisdom. You need a new instinct for wisdom. And that's what Proverbs 2 is trying to help us out with. All right. How do you get wisdom? You do what verses 1 through 9, 1 through 11 tell you to do. Um, why do you need wisdom? That's the second part of, uh, of the chapter. The short answer, wisdom protects you from the world. Here's a long answer. With God's wisdom affecting change in your heart, you're protected against two main temptations in the world. The first temptation is in verse 12 through 15. Delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. The, the key to the first temptation is verse 12. Solomon mentions the, tempt the temptation of perverted speech. And most of you are thinking, like, that doesn't sound like too much of a temptation to me. And perhaps it's not, but, um, but perhaps it is. Perverted speech is speech that's crude or, or crass. Um, here it specifically means twisted. It's any speech that distorts the truth. Um, this could be someone that's using very smooth words to entice, but the reality of what they're saying is, is false. Think about, uh, about these, how this is used uh, in our society today, how the culture flips the meaning of words. Uh, politicians use the words patriotic. You know how uh, all these politicians running for office, they use the words patriotic, they wear the American flag on their collar, they're espousing themselves being patriotic, but what exactly do they mean by that? Sociologists use the word family, but how do they define it, although they talk very positively of the family? Um, religious people will use the word, the name Jesus, but, I mean, you can use the word Jesus and not think of him in the ways that the Bible is, espouses who Jesus is and what he's come to do. Notice, I mean, notice verse 14, um, and th this is the real warning here. Perverted speech can lead to other actions that are evil. Uh, Solomon says uh, that it can, it can have people purposely forsaking things that are right to pursue darkness and crooked paths. And the temptation for us is to, not, to, to be naively impressed with men, either because of peer pressure or a desire to be included. Think about young kids in school or you and your peer group, you and your office, just trying to be like everybody else, trying to fit in. And when we do that, we become the fool. All right, so the first temptation is perverted speech. Here's the second temptation. God-infused wisdom will also protect you from the forbidden woman. Amen. Verse 16, somebody say amen. amen. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. 
for her house sinks down to death and her past the departed. None who go, down, go to her come back, nor do, nor do they regain the past of life. Um, he's suggesting two things to guard from. The, the, the main thing is in verse 16. Uh, the adulteress has smooth words. She's using uh, specific words to set traps by her words for those who are naive, primarily young men. Okay, we'll, we'll see that uh, right around chapter 8 in Proverbs, that uh, you know, lady, lady Wisdom is calling out to the naive men of the world. It's like, hey, don't fall prey to, to this folly because you'll get trapped, and that trap will lead you to death. Um, the other thing to note is, is this woman's probably in the church. Look at verse 17. Who forsakes the, com- the companion of her youth. So it's, it's saying that she's married and she has left her covenant vows. And the latter part of that forgets the covenant, uh, forgets the covenant of her God. She at some point had been covenant with God in faith and has left that. And so Solomon says, you got to beware because she's just given all that up. Solomon paints this, uh, this temptation as one that can lead us down the wrong path. He said it, he says it leads to death. And once you go down that path, uh, he warns you cannot recover. The issue with both of these, uh, the perverted speech, but more so uh, the temptation of the forbidden woman is it's not when you're tip, tempted, uh, it, it's, it's not if you're tempted, it's when, especially for, uh, for us men, especially for you, you young men, you will be tempted. And so what do you need? You need God-infused wisdom to tell you what to do in the moment of temptation. And what is that thing that you should do in the moment of temptation, especially with the, with the, with the adulterous woman? Run, right? Run. The Bible says flee. Um, here's the last thing Solomon exhorts us about wisdom. Um, he says wisdom does, uh, does more than just guard us from sin. Wisdom also guides us along a path that's good and right. And here's the last verses in, in, uh, in Proverbs 2. So you'll walk in the way of the good and keep to the path of the righteous, for the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. So Solomon concludes his second lecture, um, and he's pointing to good news for weak, unwise people. Um, train your eyes to what he says. He uses the word land two times, in verse 21 and verse 22. And the word land here is synonymous for the place of God's blessing. And so how can you find God's blessing? New Testament language God's blessing is found in Christ, right? It's, it's found when we abide in Christ. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And I think this includes asking God for wisdom, asking him for wisdom to guard us against the temptations of the world. Not just these two, but all the temptations that, that plague us every day. All right, so I'm going to conclude. Let me zoom out. I'm going to give you four implications um, we've been training, our, our focus has been on, I mean, how do I get wisdom in the moment for the circumstances I'm in? But chapter 2 talks about really more than that. Uh, four things that chapter 2 um, gives us as implications that you would be, it would serve you well to, to go back and sort of mine this out. 
Firstly is the importance of relationships. Solomon comes as a father in authority with divine wisdom to sons that desperately need it. Unwise, weak sons that are just hanging out in the world, just trying to figure out the way to go. And I think the importance of relationships, of, of, of being someone who knows you're not wise and seeking those who are wise are important for us. Relationship, relationships shape us, and we should reflect on this. How has your character been shaped by those that you hang out with? What do you listen to and read? What are you exposed to that shapes you? Proverbs 13, 20. We said this last week. He who walks with the wise becomes wise. Obviously, there's a second lap, second half of that. There's a beeline. Okay? Those who walk with fools are going to become foolish. Here's a second uh, 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 implication that's really close to this. Who are you shaping? There's some of you that have wisdom, not from your successes, but from, from your fail, failures. How are you using the wisdom that you have to help those who are younger than you, who are coming up and, and that need your wisdom. I think of all the young parents that have little kids that are just trying to figure out how to be better parents. Not good parents, there's no such thing. Just better parents. Find those who've, not those who've done it perfectly, find those who've already gone through it. The kids are old, they've made enough mistakes to cover up all your successes. They're gonna have wisdom for you. Find older men and older women who you can sit under and you can be intentional um, to, to glean from them. Here's the third implication, the character of life. This, this chapter is about character, of infusing character in you from the inside out. The character of life is such that the end result is made up of a lot of little decisions. That's what your life is. It's little decisions. I'm thinking personally, if I could just take back some of the decisions I've made in life, wouldn't life be so much better? But here's the thing. Which road you are on, the correct road or the road that leads to death, think of the, the adulterous woman, is more important than your placement on the road. That's an important statement. All right, so wisdom says get on the right road. It doesn't matter where you are on that road. God will help you with the rest of the journey. Get on the right road. Lastly, speech. We don't think about this much, do we? I mean, how often do you think about the wisdom of what you say and how you say it? The intentions behind all the things that you say. Um, the perverse man uses his words to twist. The adulteress uses her words to entice. We have the power of life and death in our tongue, in our words, James will tell us. Words are not neutral, and so we, we have to think wisely about how we use our speech. I'll conclude with this. How do we get wisdom? I mean, I think we should go all the way back to verse 3. The most meaningful prayer that we can echo is what Solomon writes to his sons, that as we call out for insight and raise our voice for understanding. Think of that baby that needs some nourishment, and mom is the only one they can satisfy. We're to call out to God, not in some nice, sweet, intimate, quiet prayer, but yelling out to him because he's the only one that can satisfy us. I think the point of this entire passage is that by attaining wisdom, we would be in a position of a firstly blessing, but secondly protection. And in the day that we live, we need it. Amen. Let's pray. Father,
we are unwise people and we know that you are the source of wisdom. And so we come as people who are prone to folly. We're prone to follow our own thoughts, our own knowledge, our own wisdom and forsake yours. And so forgive us. Forgive us when we think that we know more than you do. And God, uh, uh, as you've commended through the wise man today, uh, help us to find value in your word. Help us to find value in your wisdom. And, and Lord, help us to be that one that searches and searches and searches and does all that we can to, um, to mine out the wisdom that's in your word. God, make us people who don't continue to be foolish, but that, um, but that have infused wisdom from you. Change us from the inside out. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.